This is Dennis Rodney. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Mr. Peter Booth. He is a Hafez scholar and translator who studied Persian language and literature at Harvard University. He is one of four primary translators and contributors of commentary in the in the name of the book, The Illuminated Hafez Anthology, along with Coleman Barks, Robert Bly, and Meher Baba. He has studied Hafez and his works over the last 40 years. And I have to say, thank you so very much for coming on. And also, this book and the illustrations are absolutely beautiful. What an incredible gift to give somebody. It's just a really stunning book uh, yeah. in terms of its illustrations and all, also its content. And so I, I uh, would be um, uh, uh, delinquent if I didn't mention that. I, I have the book in front of me, and uh, wow. Yeah, anyway, thank I you so agree. Much. I agree, and it's uh, just in time for Christmas giving. Uh, right. <laughs> um, Peter, thanks very much for uh, coming on with us. Um, your uh, uh, bio is fascinating to me, and, and we'll get into some details of it. For our listeners, since our focus today is this book, The Illuminated Hafez, um, please, maybe you can combine uh, two uh, uh, things. One is uh, who Hafez was. Uh, most people are familiar with Rumi. But very few, or at least many fewer, are familiar with Hafez. And uh, I have always found both of them so exquisite uh, uh, um, that I'm delighted to give him some, um, some props today. Um, and also tell us how you came to, to uh, the study of Hafez and your work as a translator. Uh, well, first, uh, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about something I love so much. Uh, Hafez lived from about uh, 1315 to 1390 in the uh, southern Iran city of Shiraz. And um, <clears throat> he uh, had his own spiritual awakening when he was a young man uh, while delivering either coal or bread from the family business he saw a beautiful aristocratic woman up on a balcony and fell hopelessly in love with her. And her name was Shake Nobat, meaning the branch of sugarcane. And as Hafiz was from a poor family and he was ugly uh, and knew that there was no way he could gain her hand, he undertook the Chelem Nasheen, now, the Chelem Nasheen is a penance where you stay in a circle for 40 days and nights. You can't fall asleep and you can't eat anything. And if you achieve that, you will be given any boon that you ask for. So Hafez was so enthralled with the beauty of this young lady, he did that. And on the 40th night, he completed it successfully as amazing as that might seem. By the way, that is a Semitic undertaking that Jesus himself performed. Hmm. It became, became popular in Iran. Uh, the angel Gabriel came to him and said, what do you want? 
you've done it. What What is your request? And he took one look at the angel Gabriel, who was infinitely more beautiful than Shake Nobot, and said, I want God. If you're just his messenger, imagine how beautiful he must be. Hmm. So Gabriel sent him to uh, the Muslim perfect master, means Insani Kamel, Atar, and Atar began the process of Hafez's spiritual perfection. Terrific. And how yeah. did you come to study Hafez? Well, well, I came to study Hafez. I, uh, like you, Philip, growing up, I was very out of sync with our society here. And, and I even didn't really recognize my parents or my neighbors. And uh, I, it was very hard for me to, to find my way in life. So I, I, uh, I got into Bard College and got a degree in English poetry. And then I, uh, I knew I wanted, I wanted to teach in a university. I figured that was a life I could, I could live. And by that time, I had seen Meher Baba's photograph and felt a deep, deep sense of familiarity with him. Did it say, don't worry, be happy? <laughs> no, no it, no, it didn't. Uh, but what happened when I was a kid, I would go around the neighborhood looking for my people, as it were. And, and I would look in the eyes of my neighbors, and I grew up in an, an affluent neighborhood, and, and I had this sense that nobody knew. It, you know, no, nobody, nobody knew what this was about. Nobody had the answers. Nobody was familiar. And when I saw Meher Baba's photograph, I, I felt here, he knows. And I went down to his center in Myrtle Beach, where two of his old Western disciples lived, and I took one look at them, and it was obvious that it, very simply and directly, they knew. So um, I, I completed my degree at Bard College, uh, and then Meher Baba has said that Meher Baba, I mean that uh, Hafez and Rumi are God-realized poets. Mm. So if you believe that, Obviously, then, their poetry is the poetry to read. So I thought I would do my doctorate in Persian literature, but I had no background in Persian. So on a fluke, I got into Harvard Graduate School with, uh, your listeners might know, Wheeler Thaxton, who's probably the world's greatest linguist, and Anne-Marie Schimmel, uh, who's written books in probably six different languages. And uh, then I decided I wanted to learn Persian really well. So I wrote to the government of Iran and the Shah of Iran gave me a scholarship. Uh, so then I was in Ferdowsi University in the, the city of Mashhad, which is on the border of Russia and Afghanistan. And, and there also sort of by fluke, I had two of the, the real pillars of Persian, Persian, Persian scholarship, Dr. Matani and Dr. Yusufi. Uh, so I, I got a fabulous education 
in Persian <laughs> literature and poetry. This is obvious. You're dating yourself, Peter, because the uh, the Shah was ousted in 1979. So. <laughs> I'm, a very, I'm older than you guys, bro. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, maybe uh, I, I have a question, uh, Peter. Yeah. And, uh, in reading about you and and, and the book, uh, I, I read this, and I'll, I'll read it. The idea that one could use words to create a mirror of infinity of existence rather than just describing it. This is what Hafez has done. Explain that to me, the, the difference there, to create a mirror of infinity of existence. How, how is that different than just describing it? Oh, sure. Well, that that is uh, one of the, uh, what would you say, foundations of Hafez's art. And it's one of the things that separates Hafez's art from Rumi's art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rumi's art is a great pouring forth of love and ecstasy for his master Shams. Hafiz's art is uh, more an articulation of providing the reader with the steps, the stages of spirituality through being reflected in his poetry. And, and that's, a, that's a very different art. Rumi overwhelms the mind. Hafez uses the mind to write around the mind to touch the heart. Now, well, the, Excuse me, what do you mean by he overwhelms the mind? Well, this great pouring out of love and imagery that you get and, and uh-huh. the rhythm that you get in Rumi is, is just that. It's overwhelming. This is a man who is wildly intoxicated in his love for his beloved master Shams. Hafez is crafting an artifice, and he says, for example, I have measured it in the impression of reason on love's path is like a drop of dew drawing a figure on the ocean. Should I repeat that? Yes. yes, please. I have measured it, and the impression of reason on love's path is like a drop of dew drawing a figure on the ocean. Means the mind, the rational mind, is nothing. It is part of the creation of illusion, the heart is the storehouse of the infinity of God's love and presence. And the heart is seen in Persian mysticism and culture as a mirror that reflects all of creation. It's called Jami Jam, the, the, the cup of Jamshed. And uh, indeed, Persian New Year is called uh, Jamshedi Norus. It's the day when King Jamshed looked into the mirror of his heart and saw not just the reflection of the entire universe, but his own reflection is perfectly one with God. So that's where that's what Hafez is trying to recreate that in his poetry. Mm-hmm. So when we read it, we see our own reflection. Fascinating. Uh, Peter, um, uh, one quick question, and then uh, a, a more substantive one. Um, would you uh, place uh, Rumi and uh, Hafez in uh, in time? They're both Persian, but uh, uh, what uh, 
where where do they uh, how do they relate to each other in terms of uh, sequence and time? And the 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 other question is if if someone were to say to you was Hafez um, a Sufi, what would the answer be? Oh no, Hafez was absolutely not a Sufi, and uh, that's a very interesting question, yeah. and it's shocking uh, when you read Hafez closely how he rails against the Sufis. Oh, of his era. Of his era, that's right. Yeah, and uh -huh. uh, probably he, he called them the blue-cloaked ones. And uh, 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 what happened during his time was the Sufi orders were taken over by false masters. Hmm. And the innocence of the Sufis set them up to be duped. And the one thing that Hafez does not tolerate is hypocrisy. So it's, 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 it's a bit like uh, in Western culture, the highly educated uh, in their innocence frequently are more easily taken advantage of than those who aren't. And, and the same thing happened with, with the Sufis in Iran. Uh, Ruz Bahan Balki established, who was a great mystic, established a Sufi order in Shiraz, and after he passed, it was taken over by false masters and led people astray. And by false masters, I mean people who were out to take advantage of others. Mm -hmm. Of course, real <laughs> spiritual masters do not do that. Right, right. Real spiritual uh, masters. Yeah. yeah, Peter, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Mayor Baba uh, passed away in 1969, so I'm thinking that maybe you did have the opportunity to see him, to meet him. Did you? Uh, no, I didn't. But uh, as uh, part of my story, just uh, to continue what happened to right. me, uh, I went to his home in India in 1973 Okay. with five of my friends. And you know Graham Schwag, right? I do. Mm -hmm. I do. We had him on yeah. the show. Yeah, right. Graham and I grew up together. Ah, Wow. And, and Graham was part of that group. And, and I, I met Meher Baba's close disciples, and it was instant recognition. On my part, on their part, they said, they said, you've come back. And that was it. Nothing else need be said. Well, but you, you ended you, up staying there. Yeah, well, what, what happened was uh, Meher Baba's close disciples, uh, and he allowed very few people to live around him, even though he was very active, uh, decided to allow a few people from the West to come and live and work with them. And, and I had the great fortune of being one of those. So I, I lived and worked with them every day for 33 years. Wow. Hey, could, could I ask one other question, Phil? Yeah, that is, during that period of time, uh, were there spiritual practices that you uh, involved yourself in? And if so, what were those spiritual practices? Well, you see, this is this is one of the interesting things about Meher Baba, and uh, I, I know that you were into Yogananda, and at one point I was as well. Uh, there is no sadhana with Meher Baba. Uh -huh. huh. It's probably the only spiritual or religious place you can go to in the world where there is absolutely no practice, no program, no you know belief system you have to adopt. Uh, it's all completely personal, and, and part of what he has done is he upholds 
the individuality of each one's journey. And as a result, he doesn't want us to proselytize. He doesn't want to say uh, <clears throat> there's only one way. The, the, the beauty of the spiritual panorama is that there are all these streams and all of these rivers, and they all go to the ocean. And we all, each one has their path. And um, But usually there's a sadhana that goes with that individual path. Was there no discipline, no, uh, was it a, more of a karma yoga thing where people were working? Well, you could, uh, people were working, and, and, and uh, the idea of service with Meher Baba is, is very strong. Mm. But most importantly, it was made clear, you were not here for work. Hmm. That is not why you were here because of him and your connection with him. You were not here for work. Let me ask you this, uh, Peter. Um, uh, I found it interesting, your answer to my question of whether Hafez was a Sufi. Those of us who remember seeing pictures of Mayor Baba, and I joked before, but, you know, that phrase, don't worry, be happy, was always, you know, how we associated, uh, what we associated with him. Um, and I never met him, but he was a figure in the 60s and into the 70s, um, even after he passed. Um, we always thought of him as a Sufi. And he refers to uh, Sufi poets um, in and actually in, in some of the passages in this book. So how do you how is that a correct assumption that uh, Mayor Baba was a Sufi? Uh, well, just to give you a little bit more information about him, he was born in India, but to a Persian Zoroastrian family. Right. And um, no, he was he he, he spoke very highly of true Sufism, and said it is the oldest form of mysticism in the world, and it dates back to the time of Zoroaster. Hmm. And it has been the thread of mysticism through all of these cultures and traditions. Now, it's interesting. If you, if you go back, uh, we have our own version of spiritual history, but if you start reading the Persian historians, they say things, for example, that monotheism came from Zoroaster mm. in this in this age of time, this epoch. So uh, Meher Baba is not, you can't put him in any of these traditions. Mm. Mm. Uh, he, he says, he says uh, love is all that exists. The only way you can become one with the source of existence, which is love, is through love. And, and you, you can do different practices. They do help. Uh, yoga, sadhanas, Sufi practices. But ultimately, it is about love. And love is completely personal. It's completely individual. And he says, each one of us is an eternal priceless, infinite pearl. Uh, uh, Peter, you mentioned uh, Mayor Baba, uh, having people follow their own path, I believe that's how you put it. What is your path? Are, are there practices, not because you learned them or, 
from Mayor Baba or, or others, but uh, do you have a particular, uh, what's, a da- what, what, what's a daily routine to you when you're at, in India? Uh, 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 is it purely work or are other things involved? Well, uh, one of the things about Mayor Baba's home, uh, which has never diminished, is it has the most wonderful, light, familiar atmosphere about it. And when you're in it, you, you feel like yourself. You, you, you feel really good. And uh, a, a day for me, uh, because of the jobs that I had, I probably most days would deal with uh, close to 100 people from uh, 10 different countries. Uh, I would speak four different languages. I would be dealing with water. I would be dealing with afforestation. I might be dealing with some of the families I know very well in the village that is next to Maribod. I would be dealing with administrative things. I also make films. I also do my my writing and scholastic work. Uh, So every day there is really fascinating. Um, To get us back to uh, Hafez and this uh, gorgeously illustrated book, and we should say that the um, illustrations that Dennis and I have been praising uh, were done by Michael and is it Saliha or Saliha? Saliha. Michael and Saliha Green, and they're just exquisite, and the book is uh, published by Sounds True. the subtitle is Love Poems for the Journey to Light. Um, and as I read the poems, and I'd read Hafez in the past, um, it's, he's, in India, he would be called a bhakta. These are you know, beautiful love poems uh, to the divine, I guess, or about the divine. And... Um, my my question is: uh, Were these poems selected uh, for that purpose, and are there uh, poems in you know the complete works of Hafez that would be markedly different? Uh, yes and no. Uh, uh, you, you know, uh, Nancy Barton, who is the editor. By the way, uh, Nancy Barton approached me uh, to ask me to become part of this, and I didn't want to, even though I've, I've admired uh, Robert Bly's work for years, um, simply because the depth – Hafez is a, is a poetic genius, and to, to get into the depth of him, you have to know Persian. Uh, and, and when you read him closely – in Persian, the the metaphor of the mirror definitely applies. You see more and more deeply into his poetry, and then that resonates things within yourself and helps you to see things about yourself that help you al- along the way in your spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you see, she selected this one couplet, although the sun of the heavens is the light of the world. It is the dust of your feet that gives the eye of the sun its brightness. Mm. Should I repeat that? Yes, please. Although the sun of the heavens is the light of the world, 
It is the dust of your feet that gives the eye of the sun its brightness. Now, how is that possible? <clears throat> you going to answer that? <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the answer. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll try to answer. You see, the, the dust on the beloved's feet represents the lover who has become God-realized. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And as Hafez Hafiz probably is the first writer in history to use the laws of physics in his poetry. And and quickly, I'll try to summarize that for you. Existence is. It has no beginning. It has no end. It is uncreated. And existence in Hafiz's poetry is love. It is not God. It is love. Now, love being the only thing that exists has the problem of not having anything or anyone other than itself to love. So how is it going to express love if it is the only thing in existence? So what love does is it brings about creation. Now, it brings about creation by creating curvature in its uncreated effulgence. And that establishes time and space. And that spirals down and down and down and down into this material world and allows for the production of a human form who then becomes the lover of love's infinite existence. Are you with me? Oh, yes. And I must say that on page 95, uh, the opening of chapter 4, there's a a three-paragraph excerpt from Mayor Baba. Uh, called The Lover and the Beloved, that says exactly that in prose. But it's a a beautiful explanation of how the one becomes two in order for the two to become one. Yeah, you know, it's (laughs) funny. I I was reading it. I'm not a physicist. Uh, 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 Einstein's biography uh, that was written, the one written recently, and there was this whole explanation of curvature. And I think now after you said that, I think maybe I have some glimpse of what what he was talking about. Uh, I wanted to ask you another question, Peter. Uh, One of the people that worked on the book uh, uh, with you, uh, the Illuminated Hafez, was Robert Bly. And I remember I I, I attended a Robert Bly reading about 40 years ago. I know he's still active. He's got to be in his 90s now. Uh, Did you uh, work directly with him? and, And if so, what was that like? Uh, no, I, I didn't have the pleasure of working with him. I've read his poetry for years and always admired his poetry. But the story of Robert Bly and Coleman Barks, I think, is a very interesting one. And also uh, Emerson and Goethe and many Western writers. Many Western writers, uh, of course, write beautiful poetry. And then they come to the place and think, what is the way forward? Where do we go from here? And so many in encountering Hafez and also Rumi become aware these writers know the way forward. This is the path. Their poetry is the description of the path. Peter, um, is Hafez still read in the broader uh, Islamic world? Um, is he, um, uh, uh, I mean, we in the West, uh, he's 
eclipsed a great deal by Rumi. What is the situation with both of them, and especially Hafez in in the uh, broader Muslim community? Good question. First of all, Hafez is not, he is not a Muslim poet. He is far more a Christian and a Zoroastrian poet. Hafez mentions the Prophet Muhammad twice in his divan. He mentions Jesus, Mary, uh, Joseph, uh, the other uh, Hebrew prophets countless times. Interesting. He never mentions his Muslim master, Attar. He always refers to the master in his poetry as Pire Magan, the old Zoroastrian master. Hmm. His, his imagery Christian. He is not Muslim at all. And when you look at it, well, I, it's a broader topic. I probably shouldn't get into it. But the other part of your question, and this is really interesting, and this is the difference between Western languages, Eastern languages, and specifically the Persian language. The Persian language has this running stream of mysticism attached to almost everything Mm. from Rumi and Hafez's poetry. And that, for example, Hafez and the Persian poets take wine and they give it a divine meaning. At the same time, it maintains its worldly meaning. In the West, we lack that. We lack that mystical vocabulary, which goes hand in hand with the worldly vocabulary. And as such, Persian re- Persia remains, Iran remains a very mystical culture. Phil, any final questions? Yes, I have one final question or one request. Could you... Uh, because you you spoke about uh, Persian, uh, uh, the language, could you read to us uh, or recite for us uh, something from Hafez in Persian? Sure. Let's hear it. Mazan zuchuno chara damke bandeya magabel gabokard zajan har sukan ke sultan goft Chobish Navi Sukan Ahledil Mogu Ke Katast Sukan Shanas Neyadil Bar Ikta Injast Bandeya Piramagamam Ke Azjalam Berahand Pirama Harke Konad Ena Roha Yat Bashad. Do you want to render the English? Yeah, uh, let's see, Muslim. About what you hear from the Master. My dear, never say it is wrong because the fault lies in your own inability to understand him. Uh, whatever you hear from... Uh, I am the slave of the master who has released me from ignorance. Whatever my master does is of the highest benefit to all concerned. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you guys so much. I I love to talk about this stuff. It's it's been a joy. Well, great. And thank you uh, and everybody else involved in uh, producing the illuminated Hafiz. And I I will now add it to my coffee table books. No, and, and, I, and I want to say, I, again, 
the book really, I mean, I see a lot of books that are illustrated and the content is wonderful. The poetry in it is wonderful. It is in English. And, uh, but the illustrations, I mean, it's, it's really magnificent. It's, it's a real work of art in and of itself. Yeah. So uh, I, I highly recommend it. The Illuminated Hoppets Love Poems for the Journey to Light. So uh, uh, available, I think, at Boulder Press. No, sound, uh, sounds true. Sounds true. Sounds true. Okay. Located in Boulder, Colorado. Yes. yes. So. Thank you very much, Peter. Well, thank thank you. you very much. I enjoyed it. Bye-bye.